Tonight on Huckabee, Pacific Justice Institute President Brad Dinkus, the charismatic illusions of Leon Evian, an innovative way to support Israeli farmers, 1960s R&B sensation Sam Moore. That's Ray Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Look, I can't speak for you, but I'm glad we're moving out of 2022. I really am. But you can kind of notice things are a little different here tonight. And I'll explain that in just a moment. The reason I'm kind of glad we're getting out of 2022, I mean, let's face it, highest inflation rate in over 40 years. Fuel prices doubled from when Donald Trump was president. Interest rates climbing, a border that's easier to get through than a wet paper towel, and a lazy and irresponsible media that lies to you every day and then pretends they're telling you the truth. But you know one thing has been a wonderful part of 2022, and that's that my wife and I started the year with two wonderful new puppies. We did. We actually got them the week between Christmas and New Year's, and they've already made one appearance on the show when they were really, really tiny. I mean, really tiny. I'm holding Gumbo. He's a Cavalier King Charles Bichon mix. Janet is holding Bandit, who is a Shih Tzu Bichon mix. Now, they aren't blood brothers, but don't tell them that, because they think they are. They're virtually inseparable. They love to wrestle, chase each other, and sometimes they make big messes, almost as bad as Keith and Trey. But these boys, they've brought a lot of joy to our lives in a year that otherwise would have been at times rather depressing. I often say, I wouldn't live in a world without dogs, and I really mean it. During the past year, i tell you something, these two guys, have taken a whole lot more of my time than I had. They caused me to do a whole lot of cleaning up behind them, replacing things that they chewed up, and trying to figure out what made them bark. But through it all, they've given a level of loyalty that I sure never experienced in politics, and a steadfast love that, well, it's just a true taste of God's unfailing love for us. You may wonder why I'd open the New Year's show with my dogs. Well, the honest answer is, because I could. <laughs> but there is method to the madness. I'm convinced that dogs bring people together. It's hard to frown when looking into the eyes of a puppy. It's hard to think about harsh divisions in our nation and world when holding a puppy in your lap. So I just think a lot of our problems would be solved if people got a dog. Maybe even Democrats and Republicans, oh, they'd still disagree, but wouldn't be hateful about it. And dogs, well, they can teach us a lot about being patient, as well as being grateful for even the smallest thing, like a tiny little treat. Now, I don't mean to imply that all of 2022 has been unpleasant. Our daughter got elected governor of Arkansas, and she will soon be sitting in the old seat I sat in. She'll be sworn in in less than two weeks and start her own journey of leading our state. Now, we're proud of all three of our children, but they have their own lives and careers. So we do about as much babysitting of our seven grandchildren as we're allowed. But when they aren't there, I got to tell you, having the dogs, it fills the house. 
with activity, love, and of course, noise. Lots and lots of noise. Some of our friends, they thought we were crazy to get two dogs at the same time. But quite frankly, it just doubled our delight to watch them grow, play, and show us their unconditional love. So we're starting out 2023 with hope and anticipation and year-old puppies that got us through this past year. From Janet and me and Gumbo and Bandit, Happy New Year. And may God give you a great year and maybe, maybe a puppy of your own. Brad Dacus is an attorney who founded the Pacific Justice Institute 25 years ago. They represent clients on matters of religious liberty and civil rights, all free of charge. Now they've got 27 offices in 20 states. They've got over 100 cases in active litigation, including one that could make it to the Supreme Court, and it would affect churches and families all over America. Please welcome back to the show, Brad Dacus. me a little longer to get over here than normal. Okay, Brad, there's an old saying in television, never be on television with kids or dogs. (laughs) Brad, it's great to have you here. You've been with us before, and I love what you guys do at Pacific Justice Institute. Um, You're dealing with a lot of cases across the country. You've been doing it for 25 years. I just think people need to know there are some cases that will affect them, whether they're involved in the litigation or not. Give us an example. Oh, there's, there's so many uh, cases we're involved in. I'll, I'll just give a, a few. But one is dealing with a Korean spa owned by Christians up in the Washington state. It's just for women. However, one day a man comes in and he says, I feel like I'm a woman. I want to go in the locker room and, and join the, the women and their daughters. And they said, oh, no. Hmm. We're, we won't allow that. They're, they're Christians. They have, no, no, we're not going to be allowed. So he leaves the Washington Human Rights Commission, files a lawsuit against this Christian-owned, you know, business. Yeah. And we at Pacific Justice are, are in, and we're representing that business. No owner of a business should ever have to choose between putting bread, bread and butter on the table and being uh, true to their faith as a Christian or whatever their faith may be. So this is a a very important case. There's one um, New Harvest Christian Fellowship that might even go to the Supreme Court. Why is that case important? Why might it go all the way up the ladder? Yeah, this is a a big case. Uh, It involves a church that was in Salinas, downtown Salinas. They bought the building right across from where they were renting. It was perfect. But Salinas says, oh no, uh, your church is not fun enough. That's the word they used, F-U-N, fun. Fun. Not fun enough. (laughs) So uh, we went and filed a lawsuit, and I thought we'd win this easily. Yeah. We didn't. The judge ruled in favor of the city, said, yeah, fun's a legitimate, compelling interest to keep out churches. So we then appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Ninth Circuit reversed and said, no, churches have a right to be able to be treated like everyone else, and we won, and I thought it was over. But then Salinas, the city of Salinas, they're appealing this. And I thought, eh, this probably won't go up because we won. But the Supreme Court 
petitioned us to respond to their petition for cert, which means it's under serious review right now, and there's a good chance the Supreme Court will take it up. And if they do, uh, I'm very optimistic that these judges, uh, a number of which were appointed by the former administration, uh, are probably the best judges, the best Supreme Court I've had in my lifetime, and I'd be very optimistic for a very powerful decision uh, which would impact freedom and liberty for churches and synagogues across America. This is incredible because basically somebody sued because they said the church wasn't enough fun. Right. So uh, you can't have a boring church. <laughs> right. I guess that's what really... I don't think they go to church. And so I don't, yeah, I doubt I, they I, do. <laughs> but, but when is it the government's business to determine whether a church group is having fun or whether they're bored, and why is it any of their business? That's really the question, isn't it? We've seen this growing hostility against people of faith, institutions of faith, and it's not just in California and New York. We're seeing these uh, all over the country. One of the reasons this becomes so important, Brad, is that we tend to think that elections are the most important moment that really kind of shape our future and the direction of our culture. But I would argue that elections, as important as they are, and they are, uh, really pale in that most Christians' personal lifestyles are going to be affected by what happens in the courtroom more than they are in the election booth. Is that a fair assessment? That's uh, a very fair assessment. Uh, we still have three branches of government. One of them is judiciary, and it's a very powerful branch of government. So we at Pacific Justice, we see where we're at. We see there's, on one side, we have the greatest challenges to religious freedom and parental rights and the sanctity of life on a state level now than we've ever seen before. On the other side, we have judges that uh, are more respectful to the Constitution on the Supreme Court than ever in my lifetime. Uh, so we've got great referees. That's one reason why we have this litigation in uh, 20 states, 27 offices in 20 states, as you mentioned earlier. And we're also wanting to empower people. So uh, on our website, when they sign up to get our Legal Insider, we have a, a valuable resource. It's a, it's a combination of our, all our resources to empower people to know what all their rights are when it comes to religious freedom, parents' rights, sanctity of life, et cetera. We want to empower people. And then when they know their rights are violated, they can call us and we can come in and represent them all the way to the Supreme Court without charge. There is a case in San Diego County, and it's uh, the Foothills Christian case. That one has to do with Christian preschools. That could affect every Christian school, Christian universities, preschools across the country. Tell us about why that case is urgent. Oh, it's really important. The state of California passed a law just about three years ago saying that uh, preschools, all preschools, they have to be licensed, and if they're licensed, they have to not uh, ever require a child to be compelled to listen to Christian music or Christian stories from the Bible. Uh, this, is, this is a preschool we're representing, which is directed by a church. It's yeah. at a church. And parents know what they're doing no, when they, they send their kids to a Christian preschool, right? Exactly, exactly. So this is a major, major battle uh, if we win, it's going to send a loud message to California and the other states. Don't even think about muzzling the ministries of this country, including preschools, private schools, etc. So, you know, there are some Christians, they may say, yeah, but, you know, the Bible says we're not supposed to take our brother to court. So uh, <laughs> how do you deal with that criticism? Because, look, you don't have to convince me, but there are people who just say, well, we should never go to court if we're Christian. 
I do a lot of guest preaching at churches, which is sort of funny for an attorney to say that. Uh, yeah, it I'm, is. But, <laughs> we're not sure attorneys go to heaven, so the fact that yeah, you go to church, it's I, great. I know, it's, it's, it is. Good. But uh, it's interesting. One of the sermons I love to give is uh, expository out of uh, Acts chapter 22. And in there, Paul is a, gives a great example of how he's about to be scourged. And instead of saying, okay, go and scourge me, he says, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? He lays claim to his rights a due process under the law, and he does it in the most winsome manner possible in the form of a question. Even later in chapter 25, appeals to the highest court in the land, the, the, the Caesar. So I think that uh, we just need to, we need to know our rights, our gift from God. We need to use those in a way that glorifies God. Uh, and, uh, and if we don't, um, we're really slapping the Lord and, yeah. and really not being faithful stewards with what he's given us for his glory and for his kingdom here on earth. I think it's important for people to realize the work you're doing at Pacific Justice Institute uh, it affects every Christian believer in America. You guys do this for free because a lot of the people you're dealing with, they could never afford to go out and hire constitutional attorneys who could take their case to the Supreme Court. It would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if people say, I'm not sure how to help maybe my culture, contributions to organizations like PJI, I personally believe one of the most important things people can do right now. Thank God you're doing what you're doing. And uh, for our audience, I hope you want to learn more about Pacific Justice Institute and keep up with some of the cases that could affect you. If you want to do that, of course you do. Head over to Huckabee.tv. We have links to PJI and how to follow Brad Dacus on social media. We have a great show ahead of us tonight here on this New Year's weekend. Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's so excited to tell us all about it right now. Well, up next, the world's wildest news on In Case You Missed It. Later, ring in the new year with legendary soul man Sam Moore tonight on Huckabee. Huckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back, everybody. You know, in the spirit of the new year, we thought it might be fun to hear what some of you are vowing to start or stop next year. So we sent one Rick Roberts to downtown Nashville to gather some of your New Year's resolution. Take it away, Rick. Thanks, Governor. Rick Roberts, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, finding out what people's New Year's resolutions are for 2023. What's your New Year's resolution for 2023? Trying to be less fat. To be a better dad. It's to marry this woman right here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna give up New Year's resolutions. My New Year's resolution is to be a better man. To be happy and then also to, like, make other people happy at the same time. I should probably exercise more. (laughs) Uh, Get fatter. Get fatter? Yeah, absolutely. Spending more time together and being healthy. Yeah. My resolution for 2023, I think, is to be more productive and have more fun and not take things so serious. Pray more. Read more books. Listen more. Talk less. Happy, Happy New Year! 
That's it from downtown Nashville. This is Rick Roberts hoping you and yours have a happy and healthy 2023. Oh, very yeah. good. Thank you, Rick. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you check out Rick Roberts' comedy online. And even if you have, still check him out. You'll enjoy it. All right, let's find out. Trey? Oh, yeah. You have any New Year's resolutions? I do. What I are do. they? I, I've been toying around with this, yep. but I, I'm going to be nicer to my mother-in-law all next year. That'll Boy, be a you big need one. to do that. Yeah. No more does. jokes on the show about my mother-in-law. No more. Let's see if you can go a whole year with. I'm with a whole year. Yeah. That'll be that'll be epic <laughs> if you can do that. <laughs> Could be life-saving. It <laughs> will be. He might even you know get to go to Thanksgiving dinner at his mother-in-law's house. It's a possibility. Yeah. Keith, you got I, some New Year's resolutions? I've got one really big one, but, okay. but I'll tell you the first two first. Number one, the finish right. our two, house that we're, we're rebuilding. Yeah, that's Number good. two, start on that book you've been encouraging me to write. I've been begging you to do that. And number three, be nicer to Trey. Now, that's going to be the hard that's one. That's a hard wow. one. That's the yeah, hard yeah, I don't even know if I want you to do that one. <laughs> what about I mean, you, you know, look, we, we have fun gigging him, right? Well, that's true. What about you, Gov? Have you got anything uh, yeah. cooking? You know, I, I've been thinking about it, and... Listening to all those people with the resolutions, you know, one of the things they all say, they all have these things that are probably good, but you know they're not going to do them. Like, I'm going to get healthy. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be nicer, and I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Nobody ever says, my resolution, <laughs> no. I'm going to just eat like a pig, and I'm going to gain 75 pounds. Nobody all ever says that. All the good that. stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nobody ever says that. But I decided I really do have a project I need to finish. And in light of the opening of the show, you'll understand, I've been working on a book it's not a political book. It is a book about dogs. Oh, cool. And I'm going to get that book finished in 2023 and get it to the publisher. That's, That's awesome. great. That is my resolution, to get that finally done. I've got it all outlined, just got to finish it. That'll be wonderful. Yep. I, I know you're a big-time dog lover. I am indeed, as you probably can figure out. Well, gentlemen and Trey, uh, good luck to both of you. <laughs> Start it already. It's already started. In your New Year's resolutions. But right now, it is time for some news stories that you may not have heard yet. From metaflops to uber dummies, we've got the absolute best of the worst in news on In Case You Missed It. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has spent billions promoting the metaverse. That's the idea that you can live in a make-believe world. Some people call that watching MSNBC. <laughs> and with stiff wow. competition like that, it's no wonder that Metaverse is struggling. See, the European Union just recently spent $500,000 to create a Metaverse event where millions of young people could join in a virtual concert and learn about the European Union development policy. Oh, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Are you it, kidding huh? me? Wow. Yeah. And you know how many people showed up? Six. <laughs> six. Not six million. Oh. Six people. I could have predicted that. Yeah. And by the way, one of them was a reporter who was only there to interview the other five. Oh, so wow. really there was only five. Only really five. So they spent $100,000 per attendee at Ooh. a virtual concert. Wow. Think about that. For that much money, I'd subject myself to a real lecture on EU development policy. <laughs> I'm just joking. I really wouldn't. No <laughs> amount of money is worth that torture. Yeah. Brutal. All right. Next, we have two Hux criminal masterminds for you. In Gainesville, Florida, a man was caught stealing clothes from Walmart. He told police that it was okay 
because he owned that Walmart after obtaining it in a hostile takeover. Okay. You know, he should have known that only in New York and California can thieves get away with staging hostile takeovers <laughs> of entire stores. <laughs> That's right. Don't try that in Florida. And in Des Moines, Iowa, a man allegedly called Uber for a ride to the bank. He robbed the bank. Then he stole his Uber driver's car at gunpoint. Anyway, police were able to arrest him pretty quickly. You know why? Why? Well, the first clue to his identity, he used his Uber account to hire his getaway <laughs> car. Wow. That was smart. That's what I call uber stupid right there. That was yeah. Good, yeah. I'd like to know his IQ. Uh, not high. About <laughs> like that of broccoli, I think. Anyway, finally, my favorite story of the week, San Antonio library workers opened the book, returned Dropbox, and you know what they found? Huh. You'll love this, Keith. A Beatles cassette wow. that someone had borrowed 44 years ago and was just now returning. Well, they finally got a CD player. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But in his defense, hey, it was the Beatles. And I want to make one thing very clear. I have never had a San Antonio library card. Never. <laughs> really? No. Fortunately, the library no longer charges overdue fines, which that's a good thing, because only Paul McCartney could have afforded to pay that yeah, fine for that length time. of time. Well, before you start yelling help and telling me to get back, I'm going to end this bit. I don't know if they got that or not. I'm not sure help. if they're Beatles savvy. I need savvy. somebody. Anyway, next time, remember... That we read the news. Well, you stay right where you are. Sam Moore performs next on Huckabee. Well, when you get Soul Man Sam Moore on your stage, you want him to sing more than once. Sam will be performing two songs tonight, so without further ado, performing a soul classic from his album, Overnight Sensational, please welcome Sam Moore with You Are So Beautiful.
with another song. There's lots more Huckabee after the break. Don't go away. I'll tell you, there's nothing like Starting the year with the greatest band in all of America, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand, would you? Thank you? Well, there is a terrific organization in Israel called My Tree. It lets people support Israel by sponsoring an Israeli farmer's olive tree and then getting something very special in return. Here to tell us more, please welcome My Tree CEO, Kobe Asaf and Vice President. Yishay Gelb. Welcome, guys. Good to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Full disclosure, my wife and I became aware of what you were doing, and we uh, got involved by putting a tree in Israel. It's an olive tree. And from that, every year, we get olive oil from our tree shipped to us. It's the most amazingly good and wholesome olive oil as good as any you'll find anywhere in the world. How did you I, get the idea, uh, Kobe, of my tree? Well, um, in 2019, I founded my tree in Israel with Ishai and my son, Ophir, with two primary goals. First, to promote the local Israeli farmers. And second, to connect Israel supporters to the land of Israel in a very unique and personalized way. We do so because we believe that a rooted and value-based connection to the land, agriculture, 
and the local farmers create a deep connection over the, over the years for decades. That's what we loved about it. I mean, first of all, there's a plaque. We have some shots of that right. when Janet and I were in the orchard last year. So we know that it actually happens. You, there's a plaque when you get your tree. These personalized bottles, usually six of them, come to each person who has a tree. And it is just extraordinary. But we found this is one of the most appreciated gifts that we give to special people because it's, it's affordable. But what a wonderful thing to say, by the way, there's a tree with your name on it in Israel. You're helping an Israeli farmer. Yeshe, explain how it works that you get the oil from the trees into the bottle and that it's actually connected to the people who have adopted a tree. Right. So I would say it really works like a cycle. Right, so people adopt their olive tree and now also they can adopt a grapevine in the Israeli farmer's olive grove throughout the year. It can be today, next month, whenever they want. And throughout the year, the farmer cultivates the farm, takes care of the tree. And during the year, people can come and visit their olive tree like you did, yeah. you and Janet, just half a year ago. You can visit your farm or visit your tree, see how they produce olive oil, how the production is done, and really meet your Israeli farmer. I mean, the farmer that you met, third-generation farmer in Israel, and built one of the most advanced um, press houses in Israel, producing, I would say, the best olive oil you can find. We have another farmer who's an American citizen, moved to Israel with his family and was a part of Startup Nation, but then moved to Jezreel Valley and makes absolutely amazing wine. Another farmer who also was in Jezreel Valley, and he employs 45 people with special needs as a way to connect the people to uh, the community. And so these are the farmers, the people who are behind Israel's great success story, who are really the face of our program and the way we want to connect people to Israel. And at the end of the year, they take the olives from your tree and produce olive oil, which we label and brand with your name or the name of your loved one. There's just so many ways to connect. I mean, you name it. Kobe, when, when Janet and I were there, we noticed that there were people who had done this in honor of a deceased loved one. And every year they were given the olive oil in the name of their deceased loved one or maybe in the name of a dear friend. Other people did it for their friends and it became just an amazing gift. And people thought, you know, I love Israel as a Christian believer. It's so important to those of us who are Christians to connect to Israel. And now we get to connect with a tangible, usable product, not something that we don't need, but everybody uses olive oil and it's a very healthy thing. So it's gotta be kind of fulfilling, Kobe, to, to have that kind of connection. Right, exactly. Our, I mean, Yishay? Yeah, I was just gonna say that just a couple of weeks ago, we prepared the olive oil for all of our adopters and shipped it out. Uh, all over the world, um, a, a very intensive few weeks, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And the people who received the olive oil, we received messages and phone calls, people saying how thankful they were that they have this amazing connection to Israel, how joyful they were to receive the olive oil. And, you know, Kobe and I couldn't have imagined when we started this program how this would touch people so much. Yeah. When I saw Kobe reading some of the comments, I mean, I saw tears in his eyes. His eyes. He was, yeah. So proud, right, Kobe? Uh, I'm, I'm so proud. I'm, I'm really proud that and I have many reasons to be proud. I'm proud to turning a dream of mine into a reality. Yeah. Proud to see so many people who love and support Israel, to see them connect to our idea and our and like our program. And and mostly I'm I'm feel so proud to be here as a guest on your show with your amazing audience here and at home and give them an opportunity to know who we are and what we do. And 
I want to thank you again for that. Well, we want to thank you for being here. And, you know, I, I want people to understand, Janet and I buy our olive oil and we buy it for friends. We are not paid endorsers or anything like that. We just thought it was the coolest thing. And she first found out about it and gave me our first subscription. And I thought it was the neatest Christmas gift that I just had had. I mean, you know, there's our name on an olive oil thing and it's just phenomenal olive oil. I loved it. We now are... are customers and give it to people because we find it just very special. You might want to learn more about my tree in Israel, how you can support Israeli farmers and get your own bottle of olive oil. Here's how to do it. Visit Huckabee.tv. We'll connect you and you'll be able to do it yourself. Right now, I'm going to shake Keith out of his tree and tell you what's coming up on the show. It's good. Well, get ready. Master illusionist Leon Etienne is about to rock the house next on Huckabee. Welcome back and Happy New Year. Hey, my next guest has been featured on Master of Illusion, America's Got Talent, and Penn and & Teller Fool Us. And by the way, he fooled them. He has performed his award-winning rock and roll illusion spectacular called Magic Rocks. He's done it all over the world. Now he is here to rock our show. Please give a great welcome to the amazing Leon Etienne.
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Leon. Governor. You know what would really impress me? What? If you put both Keith and me in that box <laughs> and made us come. That was amazing. I'm sitting up here. Where did they come from? Ah, yes. Because I'm watching. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, it's a secret. The, the, of course. The, the art form of magic is one of, one of the best art forms it's in the world. It's so cool. I, I'm so lucky and so blessed to be able to perform it. Well, the world needs magic now. Yes, more than we it do. Ever has before. I totally agree. So thank you for spreading. So you got to. What was your first magic trick ever? Ah, first magic trick. So I was grounded by my mother. So ground your kids. <laughs> I was grounded by my mother. I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. I started reading a magic book that my grandparents gave me, and in the in the book was a trick where you take a card, you rip it in half. You put it into an envelope, you snap your fingers, and then it would be whole again. My mom lost her mind. It was, it was awesome. And from that moment, I was hooked. I thought you were going to say, my mom grounded me every day for the rest of rest my of life <laughs> because she wanted me to have a career in magic. So I, I know you've got at least one more for we us. We got You're one more for you. Guys, this is one of our road cases. Let's hear it for one yeah, more time for Leon and another trip. Stay here, stay here, stay here. Stay, oh, stay here. here. Just for one second. Just, oh. This is, this is one of our road cases. We have over 200 of these things when we tour around uh -huh. the country. They're built solid. They're built tough. I want you to get a good look at it. So do me a favor. Yes, I don't have it. to get in it. No, no, you don't have to get in it. Take it and just knock on it. Make sure it's solid. It is. Because it is, guys. There is no way in, no way out of this box without yep. this lid being open like you see. Agreed? Yeah. Agreed, All right, yeah. Go grab your seat. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard the saying that the hand is quicker than the eye. This last illusion gave birth to the saying, the body is quicker than the eye. That is amazing. Uh, by the way, Trey's always wanted to wear some of those handcuffs, so we're going to get him his own set real soon. Hey, if you want to see more of the astounding magic of Leon Etienne and more, please go to Huckabee.tv. You'll find a connection. I have a feeling you might want to invite him to come to your community and do this amazing magic. Now, Keith, you have some magic to do. Just tell us who's going to be on the show next. Oh, magically. Hold on, Soul Man Sam Moore returns next to talk to Mike and perform again on Huckabee.
And welcome back. Sam Moore was with us in our very first season on this show, and I've wanted him back ever since. He's a Grammy winner, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, and half of the legendary duo that you may remember from way back, Sam and Dave. But he is without dispute the finest R&B soul singer ever. I'll tell you this, he is to R&B what George Jones is to country. There just isn't another voice like Sam Moore's. It is such a huge honor to welcome back Sam Moore. Great having you here, my friend. Good to see you. I love the suit. I do. You Help want me. one? You would like to have one made? Would I look cool in that? Well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, where, where did you get that? Well, I have a tailor uh -huh. in Miami, Florida, in the all Gables, right. and his name is Ivan. And uh, I was in there to get another suit for the Kennedy City yeah. Honors. So I had a tug made. So I saw another suit he had made. And uh, it wasn't this color. He had something else in it. So I said, I want one of those. So he made me this. It's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Y'all like it? You can get away with wearing it. Yeah. I saw you last at the Lee Greenwood tribute in mm -hmm. Huntsville, Alabama. Paul yeah. Dean and I were the MCs. There were mm -hmm. 42 amazing musical acts, the finest, biggest names in the business. Right. You closed the show, and you didn't just close it, Sam. You shut it down. It was the most amazing performance, and everybody said, we had some good stuff going on, uh -huh. but Sam Moore you know what owned happened? the stage. Can I tell you what happened? Please do. It was cold in there. <laughs> A skating rink. And I wanted to get the song over with as quick as I could. <laughs> Is that what? So what happened? I heard the song of Soul Man, right? Yeah. So I sung as much as I could, and my teeth were chattering. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I started scatting. <laughs> and, and every time I said, my mom was getting drier, that's what happened. Sam, it was the most amazing performance well, I've I'm ever glad, seen. I'm glad, I'm glad, but it, I was cold. Then I'm going to turn the temperature down in this room again because I want you to be able to do again tonight what I saw you do in Huntsville. Well, it's cold here now. <laughs> <laughs> You've, there's a, a wonderful book, The Legendary Soul Man, Sam Moore. Yeah. It's not out yet. It no. comes out yeah. next year. Next year, yes. Which is almost here. Yes. Um, this is going to tell us a lot about Sam Moore beyond the music, isn't it? I don't know. My wife is the one actually talked me into doing it. She talks you into a lot of stuff, She talks you into a lot of stuff that gets me in trouble, too. <laughs> uh, but well, but I, uh, that's, that's, that, that's what that's all about. I think it's going to be great. You have recorded with every major recording artist yes. that any of us have ever listened to or heard of. Yes. In every field, country, yes. rock, rhythm and blues, yes. uh, soul, yes. pop. I mean, there's nobody that hadn't wanted to record with Green Sam. Greengrass. Yeah, yeah, you said green grass? Well, green, what is it? Bluegrass. Blue, bluegrass, oh. <laughs> whatever. Well, whatever. It, oh, my Bluegrass. Blue, oh. Well, that's oh, what I said. You'll never do it again, I'll tell you that. Uh, I, I won't be coming back here again. If no, I'm, you'll come here, but oh. you just won't be going to the bluegrass festival Oh, yeah, anymore. well, I've already done that. But you just recently were, you were asked to record with Bruce Springsteen I did, on his I latest did, And I did, I did. 
I, I did one song with him, and as usual, I did the one song, and I went home. Then the next thing I know, I was back in there again. Huh. Then I went home, and I came back, and I did another one. Now, when I, get, when I leave here, I got to do another one. He's my friend. You know, everybody's your friend. Sam, nobody doesn't love you. You know, nobody. And I mean, that's... I love everybody. And they love you, too. Yeah, I love, I love everybody. I just don't like everybody, but I love... <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. You know, you, you know what you did? You, can it? I tell this about you? Because everybody loves... You You're love, going to love. now. Okay, watch this. Okay. He was in New York. His show was in New York. So we were doing a song. So when they told me that the... A uh, governor, Huckabee, like this, you know. I said, no, 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 no. Can't do that. I'm not having that. I already got a musician. So he came out with his, with, with his axe, and I looked at him. And I said, Governor, I said, uh, what, what's up? He said, we're going to play the song with him. I said, no, 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 no. Thank you, but no. He said, Sam, <laughs> this is my show. I can do what I want. <laughs> And you know what? Just like we did earlier in the show, we're going to do another one. Guess what? I'm going to play on it too. Well, this is your show. Thank you for noting that. Thank you you very much. (laughs) It's one of the reasons I still love you. Thank you very much. While Keith is going to tell us all about the show, we're going to get ready. But it's important for you to know how you can hear more of the legendary and one and only. Sam Moore. Keith, tell us. Go to Huckabee.tv and we'll connect you with all of Sam's music, including his latest album, An American Patriot. Now, performing the classic ballad, Don't Play That Song, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, here's Sam Moore. (laughs) 